we are recording. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Double Down WMA podcast. My name is Eric Nemchuk, alongside Stephen Trinkwald, as always. Stephen, we are continuing to recap these semifinals games. We have one ticket punch to the WNBA finals already. Another uh, was going to happen with a game five coming up. I believe it's, it's Tuesday, correct? I think it's Tuesday. All right. Well, that's going to be the Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Sun. So the Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Sun, they played today. Uh, Aces defeated the Sun by a score of 84 to 75. Aces with an offensive rating of 107.7 points per out of possessions. Sun, 97.4 points per out of possessions. And this game, Stephen, it was like it all came down to the third quarter. The rest of the game was super close, but the Aces won the third quarter very handily, 28 to 16, uh, thanks to a vintage performance from Angel McCaudry. Yeah, I think that's where we got to start here. She, you know, she got that steal pretty much the first possession of the third quarter, kind of doubling over, sneaking behind Alyssa Thomas and getting out in transition and really, you know, never looked back from there. She finished the quarter with 16 points, seven for seven from the field, two steals, three assists uh, for the game, 29 points on 27 shooting possessions. Seven for seven in the restricted area, but let's just talk about her third quarter a little bit more. Yeah, she was she was amazing. I mean, starting right away, she was getting out in transition. I feel like most of the game she was just more aggressive than we've seen her because she wasn't really that effective for the first few games of this series. But I think I could tell like right away we were seeing a, a different Angel McCartry. Of course, the Aces without the services of six woman of the year, Dierica Hamby, who is unfortunately probably gonna be out for the rest of the season with a bum knee. Um but I guess most of that usage went to Angel. I mean, she played 33 minutes after being on a minutes limit for, for like the entire season pretty much. Um, but she totally dominated in that third quarter. Yeah, this was the Angel that we were kind of waiting to see in this series. And, you know, in that third quarter, she, she gets that steal in the transition layup, you know, six points in the first two and a half minutes of the quarter. She, she hits a jumper with some space the following possession. She posted up on Breon January, the possession after that. She, she drew a foul on a layup from Bree Jones for Jones's fourth foul. You know, she, she hit a three in this run. She got another layup on another steal. So 12 points in the first five minutes of the quarter for Angel McCautry. And this quarter from her was pretty much the difference in the game. And you had mentioned that Connecticut allowed a 107.7 offensive rating for Vegas. And that was the highest Connecticut has allowed all postseason. So there were some things that Vegas, I thought, really cleaned up in terms of just the little things. But I mean, it all really came down to Angel. It's funny, the, th- the three-pointer that Angel hit, you just mentioned, was the sole, was the sole three-pointer that Vegas only hit one, and there was that three from Angel. But, I mean, they didn't really need it. Uh, this, this game, it kind of struck me like over, it kind of struck me overall as Sun kind of digging themselves a hole there in the third quarter, or rather Angel burying them in that hole, and just not having enough offense to really keep up. You know, I mean, I mean or to really dig themselves out of it. I mean, they won the, the fourth quarter by a couple points, but just not a lot of offense here. Yeah, and Connecticut, I thought, kind of looked flat to start the second half. Um, you know, they immediately gave up a back door to Kayla McBride to open the half. They had that steal and allowed Vegas to get out in transition more so than they had really in any other game in this series. And Adrian McCautry and D-Rob, just between the two of them, had more transition points than Connecticut was able to muster for themselves throughout the entire game. So Vegas really kind of was able to do what sort of made them successful and stop Connecticut from doing what they've been able to do this series, which was get out in transition and get on the offensive glass. 
Yeah, six offensive rebounds for Connecticut, five for Las Vegas. But I mean, that's it was basically a wash. I mean, Alyssa Thomas, she played almost the entire game as we expected. Not really as effective as we're used to seeing her be. She picked up those two early fouls and just seemed really frustrated the entire game. Yeah, and just to touch on something that you just mentioned, five of those offensive rebounds for Connecticut came in the first half and three of them in the first quarter. So in the second half, Vegas did a much better job on the defensive glass. And, you know, one thing for all of Dierica Hamby's gifts, I think Carolyn Swords playing more in this game gave Vegas a little bit more on the defensive glass. And Connecticut's 22 and a half offensive rebounding percentage in this game was their lowest of the series as well. So it, it really kind of speaks to what Vegas did differently in this game to be able to hold Connecticut to their lowest offensive rebounding rate of the series. But you, you were saying something about Alyssa Thomas's game. I apologize. No, it, it's all good. I, I was just saying that, you know, after that heroic effort in game, in game three with her coming off the dislocated shoulder, she just never really seemed to get into a rhythm. Actually, most of the Sun weren't really in a rhythm, particularly Thomas and, and Dewana Bonner. I mean, where was Dewana Bonner late in this game? She got off to a good start in the first half, but you got her to be this, this make-or-break offensive player, and uh, she was kind of invisible late in the game. Yeah, and let's, let's talk about Bonner's game a little bit. I thought in the first half, particularly, she was a monster on the glass. But offensively in this series, she just hasn't been good enough. She was one for six from two in this game. Her lone two-point field goal coming as a transition layup in the first quarter. Um, she did not attempt a shot or a free throw in the fourth quarter. Bendel pointed this out on Twitter, but 38% shooting from two for Dewana Bonner in the series, 14 for 37. She shot under 22% from three. She's only five for 23 behind the arc, and she's taken 10 free throws. Like She has been pretty invisible offensively in, in the series. Yeah, that's not going to get it done, especially for a team that's already struggling in the half court. Uh, like uh, Jasmine Thomas had a really good game, I thought, shooting the basketball. She was six for 11 on three uh, for 25 points. But, I mean, when, you're, when you've got guards that, like, Brian January was four for 16, one for eight for three, she must be better. That's, that's not acceptable. Bree Jones, she had a couple good moments, but, again, she's kind of overmatched against Asia Wilson this whole time. You said Carolyn Swartz. She played a solid 27 minutes, I thought, like, we like to we like to question Bill Lambier about, you know, oh, why is he playing Carolyn Swartz so often? He didn't really have much of a choice in this one with Hamby being injured. I thought she was pretty good, actually. Um, but Connecticut didn't really seem to have that, uh, that aggressiveness. They weren't really able to dictate the game on defense like they have been throughout most of this series. And if they aren't able to do that, I mean, their half-court offense is just not, not good enough. It's not good enough. And I want to get back to, to January and Bonner and kind of what, what Vegas changed up uh, momentarily, but uh, we were talking about Carolyn Swords a little bit, and this is a pretty good matchup for Carolyn Swords. Like Connecticut is not going to really, I mean, they, I thought they did try early to really kind of put her in pick and roll, but they weren't really able to get to the outside shoulder that much. They don't really have these amazing pick and roll guards that are just going to kind of dice her up, get all the way to the rim, finish inside. Bree Jones as sort of a ground bound center. Like there are worse matchups in the league for Carolyn Swords than Connecticut. And, and, sure. You know, she's, she's, I think all series long, you know, she's, she's been pretty good. Like she's been, obviously Derricka Hamby is a, a much better player, but I, Vegas has been more effective with Swords in the lineup. How, how do you think Swords compliments Asia Wilson? Because Wilson played basically the entire game. She was not the leading scorer for once, but I mean, still really good. 18 points, 13 rebounds. You would think that like you'd want somebody who can kind of space the floor a little bit more next to Wilson. But I mean, the pair hasn't been bad. 
I mean, sure, but like Hamby not only spaces the floor, but like isn't really getting guarded out there, at least not by Connecticut. So, you know, at least for, for Swords to be able to keep Connecticut off the offensive glass a little bit, to not get killed defending in space, you know, and it, against a team that isn't going to kill her defending in space, to be clear. It's, it's not like she's been great in doing that, but this team is just, you know, not the best matchup to kind of take advantage of that. So, you know, she's obviously a very limited player and, and not an ideal fit. You know, obviously Vegas in the next round would, would love to have Dierka Hamby if they get there. But for this matchup, you know, they could, they could do worse than a Carolyn Swords. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about, you know, Brian January and Dewana Bonner kind of offensively tying that into what Vegas was doing defensively. And, and that's something that we talked about when we recorded a week ago, um, something that they hadn't done the two games prior to this in game two or game three. But Vegas put Angel McCautry on Brian January and Kayla McBride on Dewana Bonner. And McBride held up fantastically, I thought, defensively. And Angel completely sagged off January and January was unable to make her pay. Yeah, January got a lot of open looks from three, especially. And even when she wasn't like spotting up, she was like, I thought she was dribbling way too much. Did you agree with that? Yeah, I, I do. And I thought there were a lot of chances that she had that she didn't take. I thought she had some real like record scratch possessions where there were an opportunity for her to take a very clean jump shot and right. she kind of dribbled into nothing instead. And, you know, there was a couple of possessions where, you know, she made an extra pass and, and it became something, but more often than not, just kind of slowed the offense down. And, and that was the opportunity for a clean look and it was turned down. So perhaps this is the way to go with, with McBride uh, doing the dirty work on Dewana Bonner and Angel McCartry ah, kind of saving her energy for offense, like guarding Brian January, because as you said, they were daring Brian January to beat them and she did not. Yeah, and, and also it opens up the opportunity for Angel to gamble and go right. for steals. And she had three steals in this game and had her best game in the open court. Like she was not as effective in the open court or, or not able to kind of maximize that talent in the previous three games. And she was able to do that. So would you expect the Aces to continue with that? Yeah, until Brian January kind of lets it fly and starts hitting some. I think you mentioned what she won for six from beyond the arc. You know, she hit one early and one uh, for eight. One for eight from beyond the yikes. Yeah. And and at times definitely just looked like she she didn't want to take them. You know, there was even one um late in the game where she had a decent look at it and kind of just pump faked and, and dribbled into a long two instead. And you know, January likes to do that and that's a decent shot for her. But um, you know, you gotta you gotta hit the three if they're leaving you wide open. Yeah, and that was a that was a big factor in uh the sun being unable to keep pace with the aces or being unable to keep pace with Angel McCarthy, let's, let's be honest, in that third quarter. Because, again, in the fourth quarter, I mean, I feel like the Sun for this series, like their margin for error is just so slim, especially on offense. They can't afford to get into a shootout with this team, especially with someone like Wilson or McCarthy. Like their defense has been terrific, don't get me wrong, but I, I feel like they've, they kind of caught lightning in a bottle with Angel McCarthy being such a non-factor throughout the first three games, you know? So when she came out really strong in this game, they just had no answer. They couldn't, there was not enough offense and there wasn't enough time for them to really, to fight back, you know? Yeah. And they tried some different things on Angel. Obviously Bonner has been her primary defensive matchup. And then once, you know, it was pretty clear that Angel felt comfortable just kind of rising up against Bonner or, or getting by her off the dribble, you know, they switched to Alyssa Thomas and Alyssa Thomas hit, I mean, Angel hit, like an impossible jump Crazy shot over. Fadeaway, yeah. yeah. And then got by her again another time. And, you know, they tried Jasmine Thomas on her for a couple possessions. And, you know, at that point, 
the damage had already been done and, and Angel was not really as involved at that point in the game. You know, she had already put up, you know, 16 points in the quarter and uh, subbed out soon thereafter. But I mean, props to, to Connecticut for trying some different things, but it was too little too late. You know, one thing I did want to mention about Connecticut is 12 turnovers today, not really a lot, but in game three, they only turned the ball over four times. That's was obviously a major factor in that one. Again, going back to the margin of error, like they need to have a, either someone gets really hot from three, like Jasmine Thomas in game one, or they have a ridiculously good game taking care of the basketball four turnovers in game three. What needs to happen for them going forward in this deciding game five as a Sun fan, what do you need to see from them to kind of feel confident about winning that game? Well, let's talk about something that we need to see that has to do with the turnovers, right? There's a minute 41 left in the first quarter and the sun come out with both Breon January and Jasmine Thomas out of the game. The score is 22-22 and we see the Heidemann-Charles backcourt and you know, Connecticut actually won this lineup. Like they, they went on a 6-0 run, but their first three offensive possessions with this lineup resulted in three turnovers. Bonner threw a pass to Charles that I think like went in between her legs or, or something where Charles just couldn't make the catch. Charles committed a live ball turnover uh, and D Rob got the steal and out in transition. And then the third turnover Heidemann threw a bounce pass down the baseline and, you know, Bonner got hit with that elbow and felt that she was fouled and didn't like, didn't even really go after the pass. So, you know, Alyssa Thomas was able to score a offensive basket, you know, to end the quarter with that lineup, but you just got to keep one of those two players out there because, you know, that's three of your 12 turnovers right there in like a, a minute and 40 one seconds, pretty much. So got to see that lineup excised. It didn't come back in the fourth quarter, but Connecticut also opened the second quarter in that same lineup and had a turnover on their very first possession. You know, it was a travel by Alyssa Thomas, but it was because there were, you know, seven defenders guarding her <laughs> and Kyla Charles not being guarded at all. So that's a, it's a tough one to overcome, I think. And the Aces aren't going to, aren't going to change it up. I mean, I think they smell blood now. You know, they, they see that these sun guards are, besides Jasmine Thomas, are struggling to make shots. Duana Bonner struggling to make shots. That's been how you beat the Sun all season long is, you know, force them to, to beat you from the three-point line. And, I mean, they tried today. They, they got up 24 three-pointers to Vegas's nine. So, but, I mean, a lot of those looks just got to make a shot. Got to yeah, make a shot. You know, Jasmine Thomas was really like the one perimeter player for Connecticut that kind of had it going yeah. from beyond the arc. And even that seemed like a little bit, a uh, little too little too late, I should say. One point that, that really stuck out to me in this game, it was in the second quarter. I, f- I forget when exactly it was, but the Sun got like two or three offensive rebounds and just weren't able to put it in the basket. I felt like that could have been a big swing. You know, the Aces, this was, I think AT was out of the game. Alyssa Thomas was out of the game. Um, and they got like two or three offensive rebounds and just couldn't finish. And I believe the Aces scored on the next possession, not entirely sure. But again, I'm just going to keep going back to it. The margin of error is too slim especially when the bench is in. I know you'd like to see, you know, none of these lineups with neither Tom, Jasmine Thomas or Breon January on the floor. But, I mean, you got to play Mont Premier, right? Because Bree Jones is inevitably going to get in foul trouble. We saw some Essence Carson today, but I think that might have just been out of necessity, right? Yeah, I think that was when Bonner, you know, looked like she pre- pretty clearly needed a, a breather. And, you know, she was pretty out of it the, the second half. And Charles, Kyla Charles did not play at all in the, the second half uh, for the second straight game. And, you know, I, I don't mind the A-player rotation. I think it's just when you play both of those two players at the same time, you know, I think it's pretty easy to just kind of stagger that point guard rotation and make sure you have one of January 
and Thomas out there at all times. Uh, one other thing I, I wanted to mention kind of about the early part in this game, it was 5.43 remaining in the first quarter and Alyssa Thomas committed her second fall. Uh, and thankfully they went to, to Bree Jones guarding Asia Wilson afterwards, because I think, you know, Thomas probably would have gotten further fall trouble, but mm-hmm. um, you know, Thomas stayed in the game. She didn't pick up her third fall until early in the fourth quarter. And if you are an underdog in a playoff series and your star gets in fall trouble, you have to keep playing them. Like you can't, sub them for the remainder of the half because they're in early fall trouble. We saw this the other day with Nafisa Collier, who picked up three falls early in the second quarter of game two. You know, I thought it was a a good move that not every coach would have made to allow Alyssa Thomas to continue playing with two falls pretty much midway through the first quarter. Well, if there's one coach who's going to keep his starters in, it's going to be Kurt Miller, right? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, you're right. That's, That's a good point, especially if you're an underdog in the playoffs. Like, you have a shot, you got to take it. And there's no more of this minutes, minutes management of the regular season. The grind is over. Like, it's winner go home. And yeah. you got to like, have your best players out there. Natasha Howard was in foul trouble today, too. But Seattle can afford to send That's Natasha Howard yeah. to the bench. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have capable uh, backups. They um, will win comfortably, you know, probably if whether N- Natasha Howard is effective or not. So, you know, particularly when you are the underdog, like, you just have to let your stars play. Uh, One other thing I wanted to mention about Alyssa Thomas, you know, I think there was a lot of talk in game three that she, you know, pretty much was playing the same as ever. And and she was definitely more effective in game three, I think, than she was in game four. But the one notable difference, I think, from her in this game that I don't think she was comfortable with in game three was she was willing to set hard screens. You know, she had just come off that dislocated shoulder. And I thought in game three, she was really slipping just about everything. And and today she felt pretty comfortable actually setting screens. Interesting observation. Do you, do you expect that to continue? I mean, I mean, it, it better, you know, because they, they need that kind of system offense. You know, they don't really have players that are going to score one-on-one. And kind of to that effect, Vegas was pretty comfortable, like switching 3-4 and switching 2-4 on Alyssa Thomas screens. And I don't think they did a good enough job getting her the ball on some smaller players. Vegas, I thought, tried and was very effective at not, getting Cannon to be guarding Alyssa Thomas. She was guarding Bree Jones for most of her time out there. And AT did get like an and one on one of the few possessions that Cannon was able to to play on her. But you got to just be more creative to, to get Alyssa Thomas, you know, the one player who can maybe punish a switch um, besides Jasmine Thomas occasionally maybe. You know, you, you just got to get her more options to attack those mismatches. Yeah, nine field goal attempts for Alyssa Thomas in this, in this game. Uh, 11 free throws attempted, so it's not like she wasn't getting hers, but... Uh, to Bonner, 11 field goals attempted and Brian January and Jasmine Thomas both attempted 16 shots. So probably not an ideal shot distribution. Jazz Thomas was making them, but moving forward, I would agree with you. I think Alyssa Thomas needs to get the basketball. I mean, it's going to be an elimination game. It's going to be winner go home. You got to get your best players of basketball. Yeah, sure. I think we should talk about D Rob's game in this one. I thought she, you know, she had some definitely like puzzling decision making she had some pretty bad turnovers she had a couple questionable shot attempts but she was a huge difference maker in this one I think she was a huge difference maker I think especially in transition uh it's funny because we talked about at the beginning of the year like hey she looks like this player who's supposed to be an amazing in transition but her transition offense is actually worse than her half court offense but her and Angel McCautry running the floor were really got the aces going in that second half yeah you know she has nominally been a bench player uh, all season in Vegas throughout most of this game did not get any real bench contributions in terms of scoring, but D Rob, you know, starting for pretty much the third time all year uh, was able to give them 18 points on, 
you know, 17 shooting possessions. She was very effective getting in the paint. Uh, obviously, she's you know, not an effective jump shooter, did take a couple and make, I think, maybe one or two of them. But yeah, she gave it to Jasmine Thomas, I thought, at times in this game. 36 minutes for D. Robbie was, she was the point guard of choice for today for Bill Lambeer. Uh, Lindsay Allen, DNP, Jackie Young, nine ineffective minutes. Um, it's funny you mentioned the bench. Vegas's bench only scored four of their 84 points. That's that's interesting. This the, like that third quarter was everything in this game, Stephen. Yeah, it was the difference maker, and it felt like it seems kind of cliche to say this, but especially in the second half, especially in that third quarter, and and as the game kind of went on, like Vegas was just better to the fifty fifty balls. Like anything that was on the floor, um, it was either Vegas's ball or or it ended up a jump ball, and Connecticut was flat on offense. Like they didn't really play like an underdog trying to close out a series with the one seed against the ropes. Like they're their offense was very stale in the second half. It was a lot of just, here's a decent look, let's fire it up. Maybe let's get one action and not really run anything after that. It was just a very, I thought, stale performance in the second half for a team that went into the second half leading by one. Like you would never know it um, with the way the third quarter ended up playing out. But, you know, they had their chances in this game. 20 points in the paint only. 20 points in the paint for Connecticut. So what are you expecting in game five? You know, I, I think I think the Sun honestly missed their chance here. Um, I, I think they had all the momentum. I, I don't know how much you you really credit credit that. You know, how much you put into that rather. But they had the momentum. They had the Aces. You, you would think that the Aces being forced to play Carolyn Swords this many minutes without the reigning six six woman either would be a significant advantage. And I mean, look at this Aces bench: Emma Cannon, Sugar Rogers, and Jackie Young combined for four points, and that's their bench right now. Like that's going into the series, you, you would think that the Aces bench was the the biggest advantage that they'd have over the Sun, right? But, sure. but I don't I don't know. Like Aces not a lot of depth in this game. They had one three pointer, but they completely dominated one quarter. And they I don't know. The Sun just looked kind of demoralized. Like they didn't seem like you were right. They didn't seem like an underdog trying to finish out a series. I, I feel like they like they just let go of the rope in that second half. This team that we're used to seeing just punch and fight and claw for every single basket and on every single stop. On defense especially, like I thought they were just – a lot was easy for Las Vegas in this one. So I don't know if the Sun can come back from this. You know, it's, it's going to take a lot of – speaking of cliches, but mental toughness, I think, because this was a tough one. But you got Hamby out again for the next game, probably out for the season, as we said, unfortunately. Aces, I don't think, are going to do anything differently than what they did today because, I mean, they well, got one thing great I'm, results. I think they're going to do differently is involve Asia Wilson more. That would be nice, you know, <laughs> obviously. She... You know, the interesting thing here is, like, I don't think they were – purposefully freezing her out either like it was just a matter of going to the hot hand at angel mccartry yeah and i thought things were just moving the offensive system was a more well-oiled machine than it was in the last game you know kayla mcbride was able to get eight pretty good looks and and got to the free throw a couple times she had her best offensive game in the series i thought just from you know being able to shed brian january uh and of course as we mentioned before was terrific defensively against uh guarding duana bonner so from what connecticut needs to do in order to kind of pull off this upset like it starts i think with Bree jones being able to stay out of foul trouble um she another five falls today was the uh lowest player in terms of minutes by connecticut starters by a pretty significant margin didn't break 30 minutes in this game and there were long stretches of the game where she had to sit due to fall trouble beaches mom premiere you know i think she's maybe as good if not maybe even a little better than Bree Jones in terms of just guarding Asia Wilson one-on-one with her length. But as a team defender, it's it's night and day. Like, Beach's mom premier is still 
you know, a little bit of a problem for the Sun in terms of pick and roll defense, in terms of awareness and kind of what's what's going on outside of guarding her her one assignment. Um, so, you know, if Thomas and Jones get in fall trouble, like this one's a wrap. Angel McCautry, I could very easily see this being the one Angel McCautry game of the series where she just absolutely explodes and then she kind of goes back to what she's been the rest of the series or, you know, maybe she's just kind of found it and she feels more comfortable and um, her 33 minutes, you know, she doesn't have to worry about the minutes restriction anymore and she's just going to, you know, not guarding Duana Bonner. She can kind of save herself on the other end, as you were saying. If they get this Angel McCautry again, like I do not like Connecticut ch- Connecticut's chances at all, particularly when her counterpart, Duana Bonner, has been terrible on offense. You know, she hit those two early threes in the first quarter and then that one transition layup I mentioned in, you know, didn't really, was not a factor offensively. Like she um, was not credited for maybe as many bad offensive turnover worthy plays, I think, as she had, you know, there were a pass or two that kind of just deflected out of bounds that she tried to make. She only ended up with two turnovers, but, you know, might have deserved a little bit more, I thought. Well, two turnovers. And as you say, like, it doesn't have to go down on the statute as a turnover for it to be a bad possession. Yeah. And I think that was um, oftentimes the case. And, you know, there is something to be said in terms of Bonner's shooting numbers, particularly from three in terms of like she does kind of just get like the hot potato at the end of the shot clock sometime and, and have to throw it up. But, you know, a lot of times it's just poor decision-making. She's always been one to take those really deep three-pointers, and I just wish she'd stop doing it. Yeah, I mean, but... these aren't even like the 35-footers, the though. Like, she hasn't really been taking that that often with Connecticut this season. She just is not an effective three-point. Like, she had one in the corner that wasn't even really close. It, like, barely hit the the back, like the far side of the rim, even more so than beyond the arc. Like her two-point shooting percentage is a major problem. I thought with Hamby out of the game in this one, she might be able to kind of get all the way to the paint a little bit more, but she was, you know, one for three in the restricted area today. And her two misses, you know, one of them was that kind of putback that had no chance, but then she just kind of threw one up against the bottom of the rim with Carolyn Towards on her. So one for three in the restricted. That's not, that doesn't sound like Dewana Bonner. Two free throw attempts. And here's, here's the other thing I don't like about Connecticut. They outshot Vegas from the free throw line in this game, surprisingly. They had 20 free throw attempts. Vegas had 17. Aces are a team that would like to control the free throw game. They have been very good at it this whole season. And, man, you know, if Connecticut can't do this, it can't replicate that, and some of that is just, you know, out of, out of their control, whether the refs are calling it tight. I feel like they were calling it tighter in the first half of this game than the second half, by the way, but I digress. Um, but can, can I just say something about the yeah. fouls? Like seven of Connecticut's, 15 personal fouls were against Carolyn Swords and Emma Cannon, like two players that are not really integral parts of what Vegas is trying to do, to be honest with you. And then on Meanwhile, Connecticut and Connecticut, you know, eight of their 14 personal fouls were from Bree Jones and Alyssa Thomas. Yeah. Like, and those two players are just put under a ton of pressure having to guard Asia Wilson. Like she is a player that, Wilson and McCautry in this game combined for 11 falls drawn. And that, that's a ton. Uh, and I don't, I'm not saying this in like a, the refs are making bad calls. Like, you know, bad calls are going against both teams for sure. But she's a player that like puts pressure on you and forces you to fall because she's tremendously good. Like in, in a way that not very many other bigs are in this league where she uses her physicality combined with her uh, very front forward shooting motion where, you know, she gets followed on a ton of jump shots because of, kind of her her form and Bree Jones was pretty upset on a few of those calls where she felt like she was going straight up but even if you're straight up you're hitting her arm so yeah 
you know? Still foul. I remember uh, back when Elena Deladon was on the sky, a lot of fans of opposing teams were getting mad about how many free throws she was shooting. And my response was just, well, stop following her. You know, it, it, free throw attempts do not have to be egalitarian across every single player. You know, yeah, some but, players are just better at drawing fouls and the aces have two of them. And, and the Deladon, very similarly to Asia Wilson, is a player who her shooting hand and her shooting arm is very out in right. front of her body and it causes a lot of jump shooting falls that you know i can understand why you are frustrated that that's being called because all you're doing is contesting straight up but if you're you know not actually contesting the ball and you're just hitting the arm then that's a fall still a foul all right so uh tuesday sun two games aces two games all comes down to this game five how are you feeling man um, I think I feel similarly to you that Connecticut kind of had their shot and missed it. I do think they'll play better, but this is Vegas's game to lose, in my opinion. They have the best player in the series. They have another, no doubt, Hall of Famer, like league legend, two players that can get pretty good offensive looks in situations where offensive looks are not being generated. You know, they can just create them, and Connecticut doesn't have that. That's a good way of, of kind of boiling it down to to the big picture. That's, yeah, I agree with that. So, Seattle versus Minnesota was the second game of the day. Uh, not as close of a game. Storm 92, Lynx 71. Storm scored 113.8 possessions. Lynx just 88.8. Minnesota kind of jumped out to this early lead, but Seattle recovered pretty quickly and basically led by double figures for most of the game. Uh, Steven, this was a game where I felt, even though this, the Storm were winning the series 2-zip, the Lynx were in it. But this game was kind of the inevitable, like, okay, the better team's winning. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think... Minnesota probably feels like they let one get away in game one. Game two, they were very, very competitive. Um, But this one, they just, you know, they had their moments for sure. Uh, As you mentioned, Minnesota got out to a 6-0 run. Demir Stantis hit the first two threes in the first two possessions of the game. But then Minnesota did not hit another field goal until about a minute left in the quarter when Nafisa Collier was able to get inside position on Mercedes Russell and, and float one over Ezzy uh, as well. Uh, and then they scored again on a danger field steal and she went coast to coast. So four total field goals in the first quarter for Minnesota. Yeah, not great. And it also not great that Brianna Stewart was Brianna Stewart. Yeah, she looked her most comfortable in like weeks probably early yeah. on in this game. And that continued throughout the game. Uh, 31 points on 23 shooting possessions in this one. Seven assists, six rebounds, three steals, two blocks, nine for 13 in the paint. Pretty good. Pretty good. And I thought she was, you know, we did just say that Dantas hit those two early threes, but she was a monster defensively in terms of her help defense, I thought. Yeah, this was, this was the game in which Seattle really, really stepped on, stepped, on the, uh, stepped on the gas as far as defense is concerned. Minnesota was shooting the ball really, really well entering this game. So I think that Seattle's defense maybe wasn't getting the credit it deserved or, or they were just getting beat. I mean, is Dantas, I almost got the feeling that Seattle was like almost living with those Dantas three-pointers, but you know, the, the, the links, they just weren't able to take care of the basketball in this one. They turned the ball over 19 times to five for Seattle. I thought the guards in particular for the links, I mean, Dangerfield was okay, but Sims and Bantam were not playing game winning basketball. Eric, talk about Odyssey in this game. What, what uh, did you think? <laughs> this is a trap. I can, I can feel it, but, uh, she wasn't that good. She wasn't that good. I, I, like, she was a player, and this is this I felt was really obvious. Seattle was okay with her shooting, and 
she kept shooting. She made a couple threes um, that were wide open, but like her decision making with the basketball was so bad. Like both with with like making very silly passes and with taking just bad shots, out of control going into the paints. You know, with, with the basketball, she was she was driving into the teeth of the defense. When Crystal Dangerfield is on the floor, I don't think Sims needs to be doing that. You know, yeah, I, I get I her. I get her biggest strength is dribble penetration. But when you're forcing it against a defense like this that is so good with making plays, you can't be trying to get it all back at once, you know? And I felt like Sims just didn't really have control of the game. Yeah, Sims, um, 10 points on 12 shooting possessions. She had four assists and four rebounds, but also four turnovers. And I thought a lot of those turnovers were just head scratchers. like Bad ones. Like, what are you doing? But not nearly as bad of a stat line as the aforementioned Rachel Benham. 0 for 10 from the field, 0 for 4 from three-point line. Um, good for you for, for continuing to shoot him, but she, she had a rough one in this game. I mean, if, if I'm Cheryl Reeve, I'm not mad at that because that's basically the reason she's out there is to shoot the three, sure. to shoot the ball. But she was totally overmatched, like physically speaking. Um, I thought Seattle did a good job of like running her off her spots for the most part, making her take contested two-pointers. She got a couple good looks from three and didn't make them, but – Again, like the Seattle defense is just swarming in this one. I, I can't pick out many good efforts from the links aside from Nafisa Collier. Yeah, and we, we mentioned Stewie's line like offensively, but I thought, you know, like you said, Seattle won this game defensively, and they were throwing a lot of different looks at Minnesota in terms of they were switching a ton. And, you know, Minnesota was switching a ton too, but I think the big difference in kind of why Seattle is an awesome switching team and Minnesota was not an awesome switching team is that Seattle is really good at scramming their guards and getting them out of bad situations when the guard switches on to a big that they have no chance in, in kind of guarding down low. You know, the other big comes to help and gets that guard out of that matchup. And Seattle is awesome at doing this, and, and Minnesota wasn't. And, excuse me, Minnesota wasn't really able to do this very often. And offensively, Brianna Stewart was just ball racking Odyssey Sims. She was ball racking Crystal Dangerfield. But defensively, Seattle, you know, when they weren't switching, I thought they were really good at mixing up their coverages. They were going under on the Minnesota guards who, you know, Dangerfield is definitely a capable three-point shooter, but she's also extremely small. So she has a low release point and is a little bit easier to close out on. Like her one made basket in six attempts was one that was like, you know, 40 feet away almost. She was, she shot from probably legitimately like 30 feet. Um, and they were, they were going under and, and Minnesota wasn't really able to make them pay when they did that. And Seattle would trap and, and force turnovers that way. Uh, particularly when Ezzy, uh was in the game, I think they really liked to trap with her out on the perimeter. So they were able to just really frustrate the, particularly the perimeter players. Like, as you said, Collier was was really good in this one on both ends, but they they overwhelmed, I thought, the Minnesota guards. Now, you, you talk about this this switching defense, and one thing that comes to mind, see if you agree with this, Minnesota switches because they have to. Seattle switches because they want to. Yeah, because they can, for sure. Like, you talk about all these different coverages. When you have – how many times have I said this already? Like, when you have Stewart and Natasha Howard in your front court, you have so many different options that you can do on defense. And the, the links, they just couldn't it's really hard to keep up with that for a full 40 minutes, let alone five games. And it, they just regressed at the wrongs. I mean, seven for 22 from three, 26 for 68, 38.2% from the field in, in general. Again, those 19 turnovers, 
again, uh, apart from Nafisa Keller, I think you're dead on. Like they're, they're perimeter players who are just swarmed and frustrated and just making poor decisions or taking poor shots, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand. But uh, just not enough going on the perimeter to compete with this attack from Brianna Stewart. And uh, actually, you know, like Jewel Lloyd, who was excellent in the first two games, she had a bad back, I think. Like she didn't start the second half. Natasha Howard was in foul trouble like almost the entire game. But man, it just didn't matter. Well, Eric, this team got 13 points combined from Jewel Lloyd, Natasha Howard, and Alicia Clark and blew the doors off their That's crazy, yeah. Like, they, in Minnesota, was never even really in the game. Like, it was a 20-point game for most of the second half. Um, But I do want to talk about Collier. I thought she was really good in this one. You know, I had some some bad turnovers, for sure. Um, Three turnovers, I think, in the first quarter, four for the game. Um, You know, had that one, and I don't even think, I think this was credited to Dangerfield but it was definitely a Collier turnover. It was, I want to say, early in the fourth quarter. She played really, really good defense on um, Ezzy to get the stop and pulls down the rebound and then just, like, hands it to nobody um, for the turnover and then commits the foul. Yeah, that was and, weird, yeah. And the lead is back to 15. But, you know, one thing coming into the series that I did not expect was for Nafisa Collier to just be able to score back to the basket against Natasha Howard, and she yes. can reliably do that. She was, she was, I mean, that's the one thing that the Minnesota is trying to do in the, in the second half. They're making a really strong effort to post up Nafisa Collier. She was posting up on Howard. She was posting up on Mercedes Russell. And they like, were sending hard double teams with her back yeah. to the basket against Mercedes Russell, who has five inches on her probably. At least. And, and several pounds, you know, like she's, she's not a, she's not a string bean out there. So man, it, Nafisa Collier's fundamentals are just insanely good. And that's ever on the ever on the floor. She's not really. I don't think you'd really think of her as a back to the basket player. But I mean, they they said okay in the third quarter we're we're punching it down there. Be ready, and she was going at like Seattle's best defense. Like it was crazy, and she continues to block Brianna Stewart's shot, which is almost impossible. Yeah, and had a great block on Howard to start the game as well, mm-hmm. um, on a Howard post up, uh, yeah. and a little bit to. Uh, of kind of weirdness to start the third quarter for Seattle. You know, they started Howard. Um, Collier immediately scores on her back to the basket. Howard gives up a weird reach and foul. I'm not even sure if it was before or after the the basket by Collier, but she reaches in on Sims, I think Sims, it was. Yeah. So Russell is in the game and gives up, um, you know, pretty soon thereafter, gives up a foul to Crystal Dangerfield, to allow her to get to the free throw line. So within the first... 95 seconds of the half, Mercedes Russell, Natasha Howard, and Ezzy were all playing center minutes for this team. A very, very, very weird sequence of events. Yeah, that was weird. And that's, that's the one point in this game I felt like Minnesota might have a shot at coming back. Sure. Which both Howard and Mercedes Russell were in foul trouble like almost immediately in the third quarter, and they had to go to Ezzy Magbiger. But Ezzy held her own, and Seattle's offense, I mean, it was not slowing down. Yeah, they but only in, that, shot- in that stretch, if, if I can say, Sims hits a three. Uh, her, both of her threes come in this stretch. So Sims hits a three. The next possession, Crystal Dangerfield gets a steal, uh, which leads to her own layup. And, and the lead's cut to 10 with about eight minutes left in the third. And, you know, Sims turns it over, but then hits another three. And you're thinking, okay, may, maybe Minnesota's on something here, but no, they weren't. Nah, Seattle just a better team. I mean, let's, let's call it like it is. Minnesota put up a good fight in games one and two, but this one just, I mean, it, it really came down. I felt like the fourth quarter really embodied the series. The Seattle had their entire bench in the game, and Minnesota was not able to do anything against that. So it's like, well, the better team is winning this game, you know? Yeah, sure. 
Uh, one thing I wanted to say is I probably would not have brought Jewel Lloyd back into this game. Uh, Seattle was winning pretty handily. You know, the, like I said, the lead did get cut down to 10 or something, but, you know, Seattle probably would have won comfortably whether or not Jewel Lloyd played in this one. And she had some back tightness. So yeah, she didn't um, look like herself. She had yeah. one nice drive to the basket, but other than that, like the jumper was just not, mm-hmm. didn't look good. Um, Epiphany Prince had some huge moments to close this game out. She had a, a tough layup uh, finishing through some contact and a three to to really keep the distance between these two teams as Minnesota was still, you know, fighting for their last breaths here. But nice to see Epiphany Prince get some some good moments. Yeah, how about Epiphany? Nine points, uh, four assists, no turnovers in, in 16 and a half minutes. I mean, you'll take that from your your fourth guard. That's absolutely. Sure, fifth guard even. Fifth guard, that's right, that's right. Okay, so I don't think there's really much to go over here uh, besides that. Do you have anything else? Because Seattle's going on in the finals as we pretty much anticipated. Yeah, no, we just saw the whole package from Brianna Stewart today in terms of the putbacks, the mid-range, um, you know, scoring in the paint. She had that um, very nice move on um, Herbert Harrigan, you know, where she pretty much just like uh, made Harrigan, Herbert Harrigan, like jump to her left without yeah, really. Yeah, the jab step, yeah. Yeah, uh, so that, that was nice. Um, I, I thought Brianna Stewart showed why she is the best player in the league in this game. Which which team, I guess, do you think would pose a better matchup to Seattle, Vegas or Connecticut? I mean, the se- the regular season would, would say Vegas for sure, but you kind of got to look into that. I mean, Super didn't play in either of those games. Second game, Brianna Stewart didn't play, and Seattle almost won. Uh, Connecticut. I thought Hamby was a different player in the regular season in those matchups than she was in the playoffs. What do you mean by that? Well, she was just she was very good in the regular season and was not very good in the playoffs. <laughs> you know, okay, she, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, she and you know, I, I don't think the injury was really much of a factor until the the last game. You know, not this game, but she she didn't really seem to be in in any kind of rhythm, and maybe that's just guarding Alyssa Thomas. But um, but she's not going to be available for this game. She has a, a tear in one of her ligaments. I I don't remember which one it was, but you know, I I would not expect to see her playing. Yeah, very unfortunate. Um, like I almost want to say neither team is going to pose a very large threat to the storm at this point. Cause like the aces we talk about, yeah, they can get away. They can like, this is a good matchup for Carolyn Swords. The storm are not a good matchup for Carolyn Swords. Um, the storm are not a team where Angel McCartney can just ignore her, her, her assignment. I don't think. Uh, Nor a team where you can really get away with playing angel at the four all that often. I don't think. Did, did they do that a lot today? I feel like they didn't. No, I think they maybe went to it very briefly in the first half. And I, I didn't even really notice it, but like the minute totals just didn't add up. So I just assumed they did, but I, I don't even recall seeing it. He didn't do it a lot in the regular season. And that's something I thought he would do a lot today, but I didn't see it a lot. But you're right. I mean, they're, they're not going to be able to do that against Seattle. The bench is going to be at a huge disadvantage without Hanby out there. But then for Connecticut, like if they're able to overcome Vegas in game five, do they have any shot against Seattle at all? No, I think Seattle will win probably in four games against either one of these teams. Um, I'm guessing it'll be Vegas. Uh, and I think those four games will be tougher against Vegas than they would be against Connecticut just because of the star power, right? Because Asia Wilson and Angel McCautry are players that can, although, you know, Angel McCautry against Alicia Clark is not necessarily um, an advantage for Vegas. I, I don't think all that much of one in terms of on Vegas's offensive end, but you know, I think Asia Wilson can probably win you a game by by herself, and they just have this system that's very tough to play against in terms of their pace and their physicality and their ability to put uh, pressure on you 
uh, with their fall drawing. Um, and you know, I just don't think Connecticut really has any chance to score against this team, against Seattle. So I, I think Vegas probably would be a more competitive matchup and is probably going to be the one we'll see. I mean, it would be the one seed against a two seed, which is not entirely unrealistic. Two best teams meeting in the finals, as has happened several times since the WNBA switched to this uh, this strange playoff format. But I mean, it's going to be best of five. I, I don't see how Seattle loses a best of five series. Like you got, the Aces got them twice in the regular season, but that's the regular season. If you yeah, give like Seattle you said, this many chances, yeah. Super upset. Yeah. So anything else? Not in particular. I'm definitely looking forward to the finals. I think we're going to get, well, I'm actually really looking forward to the Aces and Sun game because I think there are a lot of good storylines there. I would not be surprised if Aces win by like 20 or something like that. If the Sun win, I think it's, it'll be a good story. But man, I mean, Seattle's going to have almost a week off no matter who they, I mean, no, like, no matter who wins that game. So I don't know. Anything else from you? No. I, I hope the Sun win, um, but I don't expect them to. So uh, there you go. That, expect as me, the worst, hope for the best. You know, being a Sun fan, but yeah, uh, I expect Asia Wilson to have a huge game in Game Five. That's really going on a limb there. Asia Wilson, the, the MVP, having a huge game. All right, so I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, as always, you can find us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, on Twitter at Double Down WNBA or at Trinkwald at Nemchuk E. We'll probably catch you next week for some for some final stock. Uh, Sound like a plan? Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. All right. As am I. All right. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. As always, this is the Double Down WNBA signing off.